Welcome everybody back. So stoked to be back. And today, joined by a very special guest, handsome, creative, not to mention outstandingly productive, James McGee. Very kind words, my friend. Appreciate it. And I cannot appreciate enough to be on this show. Listen to some episodes and I love the way you conduct your guests and everything. So I am excited to be here, my friend. And thank you for having me. Uh, that means a lot. Thank you, man. But um, let's get started with you. I, you know, I'm just a pretty boring guy. So <laughs> take us to where you're at right now in your creative journey, because it has been fascinating. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a simple man, dude. You know, I uh, started out, I've always been heavily intrigued by film, by storytelling. I was always an avid reader. You know, definitely, you know, I fell in love with Star Wars at an early age. Imagination was flying, playing around with Legos, you know, get a little crazy, stuff like that. And uh, over time, man, you know, just, um, I don't know, I just, like, realized how easy it was to do. All you need is a computer, a couple things here and there, and you can be on your way. And uh, just got after it, man. Started making videos very early on. Um, started publishing my videos, like just about video games and the topics I was interested in. Just wanted to talk about it, have an excuse to get out there. It's kind of a huge dork. So, you know, I was like, all right, like might as well make some friends, you know, maybe online or something, you know, that I could talk about all this stuff with, you know. Um, and yeah, just combine that dude with some discipline from football and sports and all that stuff like that. And we just had a routine where I was just crushing it, just constantly making stuff, um, kind of really realized I could do it, you know, like freshman year, made a little video for my class and it just, just kind of took off. Like it was just like, everyone really enjoyed it. We watched it like four or five times in a row and the views are up over a thousand after like a couple days. And I was just like, all right, like, okay, you know, you can do something, you can have a return, you know, like, and, uh, and just been doing it since man, like, I'm, I'm like, I won't get too much more into it. Just otherwise just doing it since it's really that simple. Just, you know, evolving, getting better at it every single time, expanding, getting into the business aspect, the publishing aspect, the production aspect, everything there is to know. And I just, uh, I'm just a student of the craft, man, nothing more. So when, what was the first video that you were showing that got a lot of views? The first one I actually like, like showed to people that I, like they were the ones talking about in English class when I actually like got out there um, and like to my friends and people who know me, um, that was Brian Pepper's The Movie. Brian Pepper's the movie, yeah. And what it is a Brian little satirical? It was a satirical essay on the Odyssey, and uh, it was just—it was just crazy. It, it was just like a—it was—it was a trip. It was like a six-minute, just little. I don't know. People definitely haven't seen anything like that before. I'm not saying it's good, but it was—it was just wild. It was a—it was a great time making. Brandon Hickson helped me out with that. His brother Alex. We just had a great time making it, man. Oh, it's fantastic. And so you do that. And then when do you start Fat Boy? Um, so Fat Boy went way back in name because there's a lot of definitions of what Fat Boy was or is. And um, but like the name started. So I had this seventh grade um, class. It, it was like some freaking math class, some bullshit. And like uh, and my boy, Nick Valencia, he um, he and I were partners and we were like, all right, we'll go make uh, just make a little music thing um like, like a little music video for the class and like he did this like music aspect of it where he just went home and made a track and he was just like don't worry about it i'll do it and his thing was like fat boy studios um but we you just came up with in class and uh and it was it was wicked it was wicked dope i mean he still chased me to this day that was kind of his first jump into it too and then i was like all right you know i'll dig that 
part of our label, do Fatboy production side, you know, do, do, do the movie stuff. Started just like doing like video game essays, stuff like that. Like, you know, Modern Warfare 3 review, you know, like, you know, like having just a blast diving into it, editing the videos together and everything. And, uh, and that's like, that was the name Fatboy Productions. That was kind of started. It just always was there. It just always was a part of things. Um, but, the, but like the real core of what Fatboy was is definitely when I met Tom Wall and Chris DeCastro. Um, you know, like obviously that first video was before them, but it was still a little more unfocused and wasn't true brand identity of what Fatboy, you know, kind of was known as. Um, so those two boys just like started hanging out with me. We started doing it together and like everyone brought a different thing to the table and it just became like, that's where the real team of Fatboy Productions came from. Um, just being with those guys in class and making films with them. It was great. Um, I mean, the, the, those guys are just super creative, you know, and, and other people have helped too, you know, Ryan Lehman, Matt Feely, Brandon Hickson, a bunch of crazy guys making cameos and doing stuff. But uh, now around that junior year time, sophomore year time, that's when we really figured out, you know, this is what Fatboy is. This is the brand that we put in front of you. And, uh, and it's just been good, man. And so what would that message be, that ultimate uh, endorsement be for what Fatboy is? What would you say? See, absurd. It's uh, it's just. St- <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a break from the norm. It, it's almost like a rebellion to film itself. It defies so many rules. Like, if you were to write like a film, like, and just kind of did the opposite, in a you know, like that was kind of be what Fatboy was, and like it just like started just bringing like so many aspects of cinema that we all took, like it kind of like you know, it always had this very like heavily comedic overtone kind of following the the lessons from Tim and Eric, um, awesome show, which later gave birth to like Eric Andre and stuff like that. Steve Brule, a bunch of like stuff that other comedians kind of took from and grew made their own uh, a little bit of jackass in there too. But, uh, but yeah, like we kind of fall in that absurdist overtone. And then like, you know, I brought my own kind of like spaghetti Western noir feel to it. Tom brought this like stepbrothers, Will Ferrell feel to it. Chris kind of brought this focused, um, like dialogue heavy approach and like it kind of just like it's it's very hard to describe in words what it is but it's like it uh it's like an epic satire it's what they always are you know i mean like these films are they have long run times i mean like they are actual like like you don't fuck around i mean i mean like it's not always just five to eight minutes i mean we're at the 40 minute mark 50 minute mark consistently for some of our films so i mean like they're epics that's what they are you know and, and that's what i call them satirical epics I mean, they're fantastic. I, I was always uh, wanting more, and no matter what, when I was done, when I was done you were, watching. You were always, you were always extremely supportive, and you were part of why you know making Fatboy films were fun, because you know, like they're not great in terms of like you know what they are, like in terms of film, and you know, like they're very like just crazy and wild. But like you know, we always had people like you that kind of related to the energy and feel of what they were, and like that was just what kind of made it worth you know doing, which is the fact that people like you would see it. So. Heavily appreciate you, my man. You always, uh, you always definitely gave a care of what Fatboy was. Oh, of course, man. But so you, you know, are finished with high school, 2015, um, and then now you, you're at Plymouth State. So are you going for film, or were you doing something else while at Plymouth State? I graduated with an English degree um, in 2020. That was kind of where I wanted to be. It was, it was funny because I was always like messing around with other ideas my my life goal was always to be a quarterback first and foremost I mean like film was something I did very 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 often at a very fast pace and at a hard pace but that was like kind of all I knew I mean like quarterback was my main thing so I was thinking like all right you know like 
little fallback plan kind of off of it. Maybe I'll learn like exercise physiology or do something like that where I could, you know, like a just study how to make my body dope for college football, but on the flip side, also have a degree in it. So I could, you know, if I fall back, you know, I can do that, you know, and then I was obsessed with history. So I was like, all right, you know, maybe I'll be a history teacher or something like that. I could see myself, you know, having a quiet, nice life doing that, you know, maybe writing some books in the meantime, but like, I don't know, like, like as senior year progressed, I was just like, yo, fuck it. Like, dude, like I, I, I watch movies and I know I, I understand them at a very high level and I like doing this and I do it at a high level. I'm just going to like commit like right now, like, all right, I'm going to be a professional in the realm of filmmaking, writing, narrative, storytelling. Like, I'm just going to do it. Like, I don't really, I don't really take anything otherwise. I'm not, I'm not hearing no or anything. I'm just like, all right, I'm an English major, uh, creative writing. You know, like I want to do that. Like I'm, I'm going to learn how to write scripts very well. And I'll learn how to hold a camera and do cinematography on my own. Luckily I don't have to, because I met a guy named Seth Prue and Matt Blood, you know? So, uh, but you, you know what I mean? So like English was just where I wanted to be. Um, Martin Scorsese actually recommended that in his book. Like and other filmmakers have said it too. They're like, screw going to film school, like on its own to learn film you can always learn film, especially in the constantly advancing modern day where you can get a camera like uh, like on your, your iPhone. I just shot a film on iPhone for, for, for no reason. Just like, why not? You know, like because my friends and I doing a little film challenge and I was like, you know what? I'm just doing it on iPhone, like screw my camera. Um, it's a fun practice. But the point is, is like you can learn how to like do film. You can watch film. You can replicate it very easily. But like writing is hard. Understanding the beats, the glue, the gel, the mechanisms of, of storytelling. So I was like, you know what, English, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to study that. And, uh, and yeah, and that's just, I went full force at Plym, really dived into it. You know, I was a terrible student in high school, but I was a very good student at Plymouth, really internalized my classes. Like I had one teacher too. Like it was absolutely, it was absolutely great arrangement, dude. Like, like one of my teachers I had like twice senior year of college, like he was like a former like Rutgers quarterback and like him and I just like, I mean, at the end of my career, you know, he kind of felt like both of us were like, oh, you know, we didn't really do well in our college football career, but we found writing. So like, he was a great mentor, really, you know, kind of put some, some good lessons into me and that I still carry on to this day. And I just like saw like how it could be done in the process. So, so I just devoted my life to it. And uh, it's been a blast since. How are your feelings towards your college football career? Speaking on that. You know, I mean, I, I got to be a part of some really cool things. Um, I went to Plymouth State, right? And Plymouth State historically is a very good program. They had a lot of, they had a lot, they had like a guy um, second in the Heisman race to Bo Jackson. They yeah, have a lot only of one, only one non D1 FBS to be a Heisman nominee. Hell yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. So, like, yeah, they, 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 it's a story program, but they were in a terrible slump for a while. Like, they went through like 10 years of like, I don't know if it's full 10, probably like, you know, maybe like eight, seven, whatever. But they sucked, and uh, and I got there, and we you know we weren't great my freshman year, but my sophomore year I got to be a part of a ring winning team that made it to the college uh, playoffs and played on national television. And that was fun as hell, and like I really am thankful for that opportunity to be a part of that and to play in that field and get in that game. Um, but from there it's all downhill, brother. Junior year tore my ACL. Uh, had this. It was right before like I was actually gonna play like we had an all conference quarterback who would just want to ring. So, and I was his backup and the coach was like, all right, you're not going to play quarterback, bro. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's not going to happen. So I, I switched to receiver 
And, uh, and I was doing pretty good, man. I, I was, it was a bye week and I made this transition right before. So I was in, I was in line to play. I was getting reps, you know, a lot. And one fluke play, brother. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I took three steps forward and my ACL just snapped and wow. it was over from there. Yeah. And it, but like, I came back my senior year, but I wasn't the same guy. Um, I mean, like I, I, I got going late in, in the year, but it's hard to play a new position with, with when your knees all fucked up. I mean, I tried my hardest. But uh, it didn't click until like week eight. And by then, like, you know, like, uh, yeah, I was getting into block a few plays, you know, hardly getting a pass, but I couldn't get a rhythm. But I'm still very thankful for being a part of some big moments and then all the discipline that football taught me um, just about attacking life and my craft. So, it, you know, it, it was wild, bro. I had some good moments. I reaped a lot of benefits. I reaped a lot of uh, failures, you know, but uh, I'm glad I happened. You can say that. Do you, how do you feel about the uh, – how did the Coach Lee football factory contribute to your college experience and your college mentality? Taught me a lot. Taught me a lot, man. Um, you know, um, I'd say nowadays, you know, like I feel like I'm pretty good about where I'm at in terms of just overall productivity, coordination, just skills. You know, I'm, at, I'm working a really good job, um, doing a lot of good things. But it wasn't always the case. You know, I used to be a very uncoordinated like kid, you know, like that just like couldn't really put two and two together, you know, but I always had this ambition, you know, when you're in eighth grade and you suck at everything and you're just like, I'm going to go be the quarterback, you know, like it naturally probably won't work out, you know, but and, and of course, the coaches saw me that way. I didn't give him a reason to see him uh, see me any other way. But at the same time, there was always, like I said, that ambition and that focus. So I got better over the years, you know, and I made the quarterback position a very difficult decision for them for a long time. I mean, like Coach even said, you know, the guy that was completing, you know, a lot of balls every day, the most every day, you know, was that guy, number eight, you know, like at my senior thing. And I respect the guy a lot. It didn't go my way a whole lot, but I had a, I, had a, I was a great JV QB, you know, and then I had, um, a pretty decent year at tight end the following year, defensive end, special teams. I got in the field a lot my senior year. Made nice. a difference. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, 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 was a, it was a good experience. I mean, I learned a lot. Like, you know, like it definitely gave me the foundation to be who I am. I mean, just like I said, I wasn't very, wasn't very good at things growing up, you know. And uh, But, you know, being into the program, you know, the, the competitive fire that they created for me, you know, I thrived. And, uh, and I, I thank the coaches a lot. And they've obviously had a lot of success. So, you know, love them. I know I'm in the same boat. I, I, I still talk to a lot of those guys um, that were seniors with me like every day, um, you know, with COVID and everything, like got together as much as possible, had some beers, stuff like that. It, those, those guys are always the man. I, and I freaking miss them a lot. Um, <laughs> I had a couple of them on the pod uh, a couple of episodes ago. And did you? Were, yeah. Uh, Nolan and uh, Joey Carrero. I don't know if they're, they might be a little young heads for you. No, I've heard but, the names. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But uh, they're, uh, they're freaking funny guys, man. And shameless plug, go listen to that episode. I think it's number 11. But, All right. I'll peep it. I'll peep it. <laughs> um, but yeah, what would you say is your biggest strength with the, uh, when it comes to filmmaking? Is it your editing? Is it your kind of just overall vision? What would that be in your opinion? Uh, it's, it's a funny, it's a, it's a funny question. That's definitely like something that I've definitely come to realizations with more as of now. Um, just like I mentioned, you know, like, remember I made a little snarky comment earlier. I was like, 
you know, thankfully I don't have to hold a camera anymore because, you know, I, I met these guys, Matt Blood and Seth Pru. Um, so essentially I don't do any of that. So like, I, I mean, yeah, like I have a lot of say in terms of like, you know, with, with the boys, I'll have ideas, you know, shoot from this angle, that angle, and I'm good at directing the actors and everything. But like I'm with a team that are pro expert level cinematographers. Seth Pru, who works at the same company as me in our day job too. I mean, he's a paid professional videographer. I have no fucking reason to hold a camera. You know, like that's why I go to the writing and the directing of actors. I think I've always had a, a strength with realizing the essence of what a film is. And I'll make it, I'll give you a very clear story as to why. It's like, I'm a man of simple taste. I like a lot of complicated films like A Clockwork Orange and all that shit. You know, like great films. But don't get me wrong. It all started with Batman and Star Wars. Like the, the, the reason people watch those films is because they're fucking awesome. It's not very hard to, you know, of course it's a science, but it's not very hard to understand that. And I've always had that, you know, you know the epic soundtracks, you know, the feeling of heroism and growth and like all these things that mesh together, I kind of understood at a very young age and understood why those franchises took off. And I, you know, like, and I took that energy into everything I did. It was never just, you know, like, even when it's a little story about, you know, maybe a dog taking a fucking shit, it's still a bigger story. It fits into the bigger picture. Everything has this energy to it. So that energy is what I bring to filmmaking. And then you combine that with, like I said, I've always had a avid love of discipline. You know, that's where I really sunk into writing and I've always written. So like being able to be the guy that can gel scenes together, that's my biggest strength is. So like, if we have a script, you know, like I understand what every line is saying, both you know, on a textual level, but also a subconscious level as well, you know, like subtext is a huge part in writing and how everything moves and gels of the film. That's where I come in. I have a full understanding, you know, to my level of skill. And I'm not saying I'm George Lucas here. I'm just saying I, I have a good understanding. Um, but I'm kind of that guy that knows where the, all the pieces fit into a film, like in terms of structure and storytelling. Um, and so that's why, like, I think I have an advantage in writing. I might not be the best, you know, at constructing dialogue all the time, this and that, you know, I have my strengths, but understanding the glue of what makes a film is kind of where I pride myself on, you know, being good. You know, I really understand structure and I've studied it a lot. So writing is definitely my, uh, definitely my thing. What is the structure and what is glue? All the things, man. It, it, it's how a film speaks to you on one level. I mean, no one scene is saying just one thing. There's always, you know, like th th the components are all moving together to give you this experience that you can sink into in every single level with the cinematography, the soundtrack, the dialogue, the way the dialogue is said, when it is said, where in the acts it is said. All these things come together to give you one coherent message. They're all pieces that build together to tell a story and understanding and you only have so much time when you're making a film, um, you know, so really understanding how things to work on a minute to minute basis and what they're saying is a very, is very uh, easier said than done. Um, and I still haven't mastered it by any means, but, you know, all those things like really go into it and they have to be looked at and developed and put together in a certain way. Yeah. So we like, how do you, when you, you were talking about subtext, how that that's so hard for me like I like writing too but it, it when you talk about it I, like and it's so when it's done like correctly it's so obvious when you're reading a book or you're watching like you can tell what the kind of underlying tones are this or that how do you how does that go from script to screen how do you even conceive that um kind of frequency in you know just words on a paper 
Well, it, it's definitely a balance, you know, like you have to play the line of exposition and subtext. It can be very in your face if you're too upfront about it. And that has to do also with the directing of the actors and everything. Um, you know, there's even like, man, I, the example I want to give is in uh, episode six of Book of Boba Fett that I just watched. But I don't want to spoil anything. Just I'm yet, trying to. Ca- I'm gonna catch up. I'm gonna catch up. I promise you. But I've heard. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, so, uh, Twitter. Twitter would not shut the fuck up about episode bro, six. So bro, bro, yo, yo. Let's take a break for everything for a second. And talk about that. I woke up for work today, and I get in at eight forty-five a.m. And I just go to simply embed a YouTube clip into an email blast I was sending, and boom. Spoiler, like the most blatant thumbnail yeah, on YouTube. Dude, I'm like, dude, what? Like, all of my shits were spoilers, bro. All Twitter over was Twitter, terrible. everything. All I wanted dude. to do is like see some jokes about I don't even know what what's funny on Twitter these days. Just a lot yeah, of bullshit. <laughs> just see the classic jokes, bullshit, whatever Twitter had mm-hmm. to offer, and I just see because I, I follow like I follow like one star wars account or influencer maybe two and then i just see my whole feed is liked by this person liked 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 and it's mm-hmm. all fucking spoilers it's brutal yeah there needs to be like a better way to especially because twitter wants to censor everything anyway like why don't you censor yeah. spoilers like do us all a favor. <laughs> yeah. like do us all a favor and just censor spoilers like stop doing other stuff and just that i mean like dude like i literally open i don't even fo- like i don't even officially follow the trend book of boba fett I just yeah. like a lot of tweets in that category. Yeah, Even then, there was, like, just an onslaught of just, like, screenshots. And I'm like, yo, that's just so absurd. I know. Like, and I it, know. Has, it has not even been 24 hours yet. Like, really? No. Like, can we give it, like, come on. Seriously? No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, like, like, and it wasn't just me. Like, all the boys I just watched it with, they, were, they all knew. They were just like, yeah, no, I saw the same thumbnail. I saw the same tweet. Like, all of us knew, like, the three characters that were going to pop up at a, in a cameo. And it was uh, just kind of suck. Sucks, dude. But mm-hmm. how have you been... I mean, <laughs> anything Filoni touches is just gold. And, uh, like, it, I don't know how uh, he just maybe. gets it. Oh, like, okay, let's hear your take on this. No, well, I, I mean, I, I, like... Of course, like he, Filoni and Favreau are the best things to happen to Star Wars for a very long time. Favreau, like, yeah. He's still, no, come on. He's still great. He's still great. But I beg to differ. But like (laughs) some of the execution, like the ideas I'm liking and like they are big on subtext and visual storytelling through like symbols. I have so many theories in the book about Fast, not even funny, like from little background symbols and everything. And like they're very good at that kind of storytelling, and they're smart storytellers, and they tell awesome stuff. Some, but let's just acknowledge some of the shit that's gone on. In it's a couple sequences of Book of Boba Fett. I've just been really strange, like yeah. episode three in particular with the with those kids and the, the execution. The, the, bikes, the bikes. Yeah, I'm not I, like. Of course, the bikes were kind of stupid looking, but like. Who were those people? Why are they in this story? Why are we not spending more time developing characters that are more like that are more relevant? I mean, like, I don't know. It's kind of. I I mean, the chase is like they're playing this intense music and bullshit. I didn't even. I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm trying not even to mention that man. Like that 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 chase was just so so bad. And like, I'm like, I'm like, seriously? Like this is this is what's and it's just some moments and like when that. I, I, I'm going to give a spoiler warning here. So if you're mm-hmm. interested in Book of Boba Fett, 
uh, spoiler warning. But so in episode two, when that big ass black Wookiee uh, breaks into the 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 shit into his in Bo into ba- Boba's Baptist bab- tank, I tried mm-hmm. to saying that ten times fast. Jeez, um, yeah. when he breaks in, there's just this one frame of his face. I forget the Wookiee's name. It was some thing it was in life. black chrysanthemum yeah black chrysanthemum mm-hmm. so he breaks in there's just this one frame and i swear it looks like the abominable snowman from rudolph the animated claymation it, it just took me completely out of it i was like what the hell why are all these disney dollars not going into making me think this is real why they, does this look yeah fake yeah yeah and jack that's an excellent point you touch upon because like first off it's like as much as I love the show, the essence of the show, like like the character, everything about the show, like still like the points that we're talking about are not acceptable. When you're making Star Wars, when you're making fucking Star Wars and you have that much money and you have that much responsibility, like there's no room for error. I I mean, like, like it's not too much to ask, but like there are, these are supposed to be the best creators in the entire world with the most money possibly allocated toward a film budget, and you're telling me it's not perfect, we have a it's, problem. You know? It's like the biggest, it's probably one of the biggest budgeted shows. All of them are. Almost all of them yeah. would, be, have, would blow any cable show's budget out of the water. And then I see a screenshot on Twitter of, um, you know, two by four plywood at the edge of the set in one of the frames. I'm like, are you like, you know, I mean, obviously Star Wars fans are notoriously notoriously toxic bad this that the other thing i feel like it's starting to shift now because you know the world's gotten a lot softer but um and that's just that's just a side rip. but <laughs> obviously you know the uh star wars fans are just brutal but like why am i seeing and i'll send you the the picture the screenshot why am i seeing that in star wars just taking me completely out of it uh, yeah. and oh, okay what's your take on the the pr- so like you know obviously now the special effects look bad in the original trilogy and they don't even look bad but they just look dated so what is your take on the prequels because uh, this is very oh, I'm, gotten Jack, a lot I'm better. so glad you asked man you made my yeah see i knew i knew you'd have a good i love the prequels i love the prequels so much it's not even funny like okay and here's where i draw the line where it's like all right when i say the word perfect earlier there's a difference now like i'll give you an example of book of Boba Fett. like the first fights major fight scene episode one where the assassins pull up on him and fennec in the street like the simple idea of him not like why would he not use his jetpack that's just completely illogical why does the scene look so weird? Like the fight scene just didn't look great. You know, like that was just like an off-putting thing where it's like, that's just technically wrong. You can't really justify that. Now that's an example of not being perfect. The prequels are, are not perfect in a different way. Yeah, maybe it's a little melodramatic. Maybe some people didn't love the creative choices, but they are awesome. They are so phenomenal. They are just like, like of course yes we know anakin and padme's dialogues was just a little rough the performance (laughs) a little rough but like for some reason it still fits tone wise into the narrative they created in the world they created and it's just there's just such a good loving full force energy in those films that like are so lacking in like the new trilogy the sequel trilogy like 
can't even say new anymore, but like seven, eight, nine, like those films are just so contrived and just so utterly just forced in every way. Nothing like there was no real like heart, soul and consistent identity of those films. They don't work like one, like one, two and three absolutely are consistent. They have a heart, they have a soul, they have a story that was mapped out start to finish. They're following it. So what? There's some bumpy patches along the way. It gave us some of the best moments in Star Wars. And I Definitely. love those films to death. And they and and I'm also biased because I grew up with them. But like what they did for the Star Wars world world building, like nothing else has done. They're absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely. And I think I saw I was talking to Chris Nicaster about this when I watched oh, the pod when we did the pod with him because I know you'll like the same thing. But um, mm-hmm. there's this YouTube video. It's fascinating. It's called "That Star Wars Was Made in the Edit." So, "A New Hope." The original, I've seen that. I've seen that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you've seen that. So, it's like okay. So he didn't Wait, have his. Hold on one sec. You might want to do explain for the uh, for the audience if you weren't gonna explain. Oh, true. Okay. Mm-hmm. So basically when originally when george lucas in the mid 70s showed a rough cut of star wars to you and feel free to fill in if i'm missing anything but when mm-hmm. george lucas showed a rough cut um it like it wasn't great there was you know a lot of a lot of the issues that actually appeared in the prequels appeared in the rough cut and he had his editing team which was his wife kind of shift things around do some more exposition, kind of fine tune that dialogue and make it. So for the original trilogy, it was all, you know, everything, the story moved along at a good pace and it was, you know, the dialogue was, it made sense. Things were happening and it wasn't, you know, getting into action and then cutting away for something else. Um, Am I missing anything? Well, you're absolutely nailing it. A a fun fact to notice about that when he showed the, uh, the original cut too, like everyone here should know that wasn't just any group he showed to it, like his trusted crew from college and everything. Let me tell you who they were. Steven Spielberg, Coppola, Francis Ford Coppola, wow. and Brian De Palma. Those are oh my God. Three of the greatest dope. filmmakers to ever live. And he had, the, and he had them to be like, yo, yeah, it's missing something, man. And then that made, you know, obviously the whole like, go back, re-edit it, and they found the identity of what Star Wars was in the edit. Yeah. They well, found its it identity. Just, it was it all the creative vision, but it just needed to be polished more. It needed focused. to just be focused. focused. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It just needed to be focused with a little bit less of, you know, side BS, because George Lucas is, it feels like George Lucas's brain is just, like, he has so many ideas bouncing around there. It just needs to be like, hey, like, some of these ideas are awesome, but we just need to focus it and streamline what yes. Star Wars is. Dude, you hit it on the nail. Yeah. And like, that's part of why the prequels, the, the biggest argument as to why they fall yeah. for a lot of people is that they're unfocused. And uh, which right. I do agree with a little bit, you know, it was still consistent, but it wasn't too, you know, the narrative obviously went all over the place. Yeah. Um, and that's just simply because a lot of people say there weren't enough people there to like question him and like, you know, kind of yeah. like, just like, yeah, like George, that idea kind of sucks. So that's that's kind of why they gave him they gave him all they he didn't have his original editing team and they gave him all literally like executive producer pretty much judge jury executioner on every decision. But with that being said, it was all his creative vision, and he didn't have that. He just didn't have the people focusing it for him. But it was all still his creative vision. 
And that's why I've always appreciated them. You know, oh, yeah. yeah, we can always, we can chirp dialogue and be cringe and, you know, it's like, yeah, like really, come on. But at the end of like, it just, it's part of a complete story and yeah. you can't, you can't like, you can't judge it like a normal movie because you have to watch all the movies to understand. Yeah. It's all part of a greater narrative. And dude, think about it this way too, man. Like the new, the sequel trilogy, like those films just winged it. They had no, oh, it's bring back Palpatine. Just that they had no roadmap. George Lucas mentioned the Clone Wars in the original Star Wars. Yeah. And it comes to fruition. This man had a roadmap going back many moons ago like that just shows you how this is a man's life's work and that's definitely why like it's so dope and uh obviously with him being complete creative control you know you don't get guys like urban kershner who deck who directed episode five uh, empire strikes back you know to kind of like just straighten it out but still i love them for what they are and i just they're, they're awesome and i'm glad you do too i mean anyone who's listening that thinks otherwise you know i respect it but come on like, yeah, come back, be- have a beer watch <laughs> it like Cheers to that, huh? Yeah, uh, cheers. I'm mm-hmm. actually I'm not drinking, unfortunately. I know we're on the six pack, but I'm uh I gotta I'm staying sober for a little bit. I overdid it on uh on Gasparilla, so gotta take All a right, break. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> um, so who was the who were the directors? Brian De Palma, Steven Spielberg, and Francis Ford Coppola. Oh my goodness! And the guy oh. who made the Godfather and Apocalypse Now. That's what I was gonna say. Apocalypse <laughs> Now. Wow, yeah. that's a great Don't forget movie. about that Godfather. Don't forget about that either, oh, man. That uh, <laughs> it's not like it, dude. That might be the one of the best ones ever made. Like it's definitely, oof. definitely. Mm-hmm. But what separate? <laughs> you know what's a fun, I know you like myself love um Quentin Tarantino, um, <laughs> but it, it's so funny because uh, I actually was just. I was restless the night before Gasparilla, and um, I was I, I put on HBO Max. And I was watching uh, From Dust Till Dawn, which is Robert Rodriguez Robert, and yeah, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it mm-hmm. was one of the strangest, most bananas movies I've ever watched. Because it starts out as this, you know, and spoiler alert, but come on, the movie's 25 years old. Yeah, they're vampire, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it starts out as like a kidnapping crime film. And then it turns into a zombie movie. <laughs> with a bunch of one-liners from george clooney it's like unbelievable the movie was wild i didn't i haven't seen that full thing since i was like so young i can't remember i peeped some of it but yeah no, the movie's absolutely wild robert Rodriguez, you know the guy who makes boba fett coincidentally yeah no he, he hit one out of the park there he's made boba fett robert Rodriguez. oh yeah dude no he's the executive producer he brought up he brought Boba Fett back in, in, uh, in The Mandalorian. He directed that episode called uh, The Tragedy, where Boba Fett comes back and has his scene of reclamation. Yeah. Um, but no, Rodriguez has kind of sucked lately. Like the two episodes he actually directed in Boba Fett are the two worst ones. Really? Yeah. Shit, man. He directed the Spy Kids one. <laughs> that was his oh. chase scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was his. He was that the was, one. Oh, he was, was the bananas. one who said this would be a good idea. And okay, that looks good in the editing room. That was him. Oh, <laughs> like, who, like, who can think of that? That's bananas. Robert Rodriguez can. Don't get oh, me wrong. He's okay. still great. Dustin Don was great. Still great. Absolutely. He's still the man. But whew. so, but like, okay. So, what is your take on, um, on, uh, on Filoni then because you seem to really 
how where does Filoni fit into your Star Wars? Um, I don't know opinion. What would the right word be? Star you where your fandom? Yeah, I guess? Uh, opinion's great. No, Filoni. Filoni's great, dude. Filoni represents like like you're almost like your Star Wars theories of YouTube. You know, like dudes with big imaginations for what Star Wars is, is and can and can be. And then he's just a very gifted writer. Very very strategic and structured writer he's very solid and he used those big ideas in a, in a great way i mean he gave us the clone wars which oh was goodness. phenomenal the, the, unbelievable and i was growing yeah. that was when i kind of grew up because uh, you're you don't know four or five years older than me because mm-hmm. i so i was growing up i had watched all the prequels and then i started watching the clone wars friday and saturday nights on cartoon network and that was the best, man. It was just was so up. cool. And then I, I rewatched it on Netflix and then eventually on Disney Plus when I was, you know, when I'm more seasoned now. It's like unbelievable. He had mm-hmm. such a, he, uh, one of my favorite quotes of his was that like any story can be a Star Wars story. And that's so true. Damn because, right. Yeah. Like it can be, you know, a heist film that could be a Star Wars story. It could be, it can be anything. And he samurai western gangsters. Oh. oh, even like a like a Sopranos, like it's mob families. Okay, yes, that's a Star Wars story. So cool. Mm-hmm. It's like it's I've always really appreciated that. And then the other thing I appreciate is that he was so willing to um kind of fill in the gaps that the prequels left. So like people didn't love the clones or didn't care, and then he makes them super popular. Okay, why doesn't Anakin? Why does Anakin flip so quickly on the Jedi? Well, they've done stuff in there during this long war that have kind of worn on him and made him not trustworthy as much. It's just, especially Obi Wan, but it's just all this little stuff. I've just had such a great appreciation for. Yeah. Yeah. You said it, man. I mean, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, it, it was dope about it too, is that like that quote about uh, any story can be a Star Wars story is like what Star Wars is built on is a meshup of genre. I mean, it's, it's meant to be part Western, part samurai film, part crime film, part Greek mythology epic, you know, like it's all like part of so you can do whatever the hell you want and start you can do a star wars anime as they just did and it works they did like, yeah yeah it worked because it was just like yeah star wars can be told across any medium so yeah no you're right man and i just think well i'm i'm trying to think where do you go from here if you're disney they already made him basically they 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 gave Filoni the head of Star Wars because they're like we don't want to fuck it up any further like we have to let this guy do everything now well they're moving towards I mean the current business model to move off of my friend is the Avengers and how successful they were like what they managed to do with piecing together a bunch of different movies and now shows to create this greater story is uh exactly what Disney's doing um all these things are meshing together why do you think I mean spoiler alert but not really you know like the mandalorians and boba fett and he takes up a big part of it you know yeah. it's like, no it's i know because, man. it's because like yeah of course i want to see boba fett and keep it more focused but it's because it's all working together as one whole to create a new star wars story that will be the, the true sequel trilogy you know obviously like they whiffed on 789 they recognize that and they've talked about even retconning it so like it's almost disregard. It's like the they work got a on it, man. Like what the yeah. hell happened? 
just sucked. I mean, the, I wrote my I wrote my senior thesis on that. So, you know, it's I, like you posted that blog. I'm pretty sure I read it. I did. And it's, I think it actually might be the most, the most viewed blog on the platform, actually. Like, like I, I, I really went in on that blog. Like that was a Fantastic. product of, I did not hold back on that. I really let him hear it. Cause that was the year that Rise of Skywalker came out. And I was like, I'm gonna let you hear it. <laughs> I really come back with, with evidence structure and just like years of thought. And I'm just going to, can obliterate you <laughs> i still i still haven't seen it i just uh at this point i just don't it's kind of like not a meme but i just don't want to oh, see it rise of skywalker no nah, I, re- I basically refuse to see it yeah i mean fair enough man i mean i had to see it because it was star wars but no, i, had to, enough, I like i, I wanted I to see it you. and then just i was just never really got around to it seeing it in theaters and then covid happened so i hey i'll watch it at some point but um it's like when I watched when I watched Seven in theaters, I was so stoked. Like I thought they had, you know, they had it all figured out. They had asked a bunch of cool questions, all this and that, and then they just fucking fucked the whole thing up and <laughs> ruined it in one swift stroke by just letting. I don't understand. How do you go into a series just letting everybody do what the individual wants? It's not about the individual. It's about like everything. Yeah, uh, I mean, seven. I get what you're saying, but yeah, seven just rubbed me the wrong way, just because it was it was just a kind of rehash of a New Hope. I mean, yeah. I just like kind of. Yeah. I've never been too blown away by uh, by JJ Abrams. I, I mean, he rehashed Star Trek too. He's just so freaking safe. He's just like you know, you know, you're getting with him. I, I know, I know what you mean, but like, yeah, I mean, seven wasn't wasn't the worst. But like, I still do respect it, and I, and like by need by nature of who I am, like anytime, like you know, like I'm I'm a guy that cherishes like like you know like events in my calendar, you know. So like when I see a Star Wars movie's coming out, I'm seeing it night one. I don't care what what I have to do, like I'll, yeah. I'll see it. But yeah, I mean, I can see why it didn't really hook you. I mean, it like seven is I think is the best one out of the new trilogy. But oh, definitely. Yeah, but still, I mean, that's not saying much, man. That's <laughs> really not saying much. <laughs> I liked, I mean, when I saw seven and eight in theaters, I liked both of them, but mm-hmm. it's just kind of in retrospect where I'm kind of like, like, really? Like, this is what, what we're doing when we're trying to set all this stuff up. Like, it doesn't really make that much sense. I feel but, like I, too. but it's hard because you, I can pick out moments where I'm like, okay, like, I really like that. I really like kind of the direction they took or you know just even just little stuff that i really liked but a lot of it is just kind of nonsense yeah no yeah i, I mean same feeling like right when i actually was like in the theater i mean you know you, you never want to walk out of a movie theater let alone a star wars movie and be like yeah the movie i just paid money for sucked you yeah know, it's like, i'm always you know, so happy <laughs> i was stoked yeah, it's always something that hits you over time. You're just like, damn, that movie really did stink. Like, that was not a great film. So, you know, I'm, with, I, I'm definitely with you. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, hold on, because I hadn't seen the Star Wars movie in a long time. And then there was a marathon, I don't know, a couple weeks after. There's a marathon on one of the TV networks of all the, of the original films. And I was like, hold on, like, so this, so Luke Skywalker goes from this kid with, like, overwhelming confidence and belief that 
his dad, who Darth Vader, who at this point is the most evil person in the galaxy, murdered thousands of people, just uh, oh, like completely corrupted. He believes so much that his dad is like a good, still has good in him. And he goes from that to just not giving a fuck about anything anymore. It's like, really? Yeah. Not to, it's a hard jump to make. I mean, not going to lie, like that wasn't my least favorite part of the trilogy. I mean, I thought that at least had balls doing that. The execution Definitely. sucked. The execution sucked. But no, nah, I feel you, man. I mean, like it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow because like I get the message of like, oh, you know, like your heroes can falter and like, you know, like no one's perfect and all that bullshit that Ryan Johnson was trying to do. Whatever, I'm fine <laughs> with that. But like, I mean, for so many people, especially those in the generation that preceded me and you, um, you know, Luke Skywalker was hope. He, you know, it was just like, you know, like if, if there was anything that was guaranteed was that Luke Skywalker would be there to save the day. And he was, yeah. he, you know, and it was just like, it was just weird for a lot of people to be like, all right, he just threw his dad's lightsaber. Like what? Like when Ray in episode eight gives him a lightsaber, and he just chucks it over his shoulder. It's like, really? Like that yeah. was her handing over to many people. The lightsaber, that moment when she handed him a lightsaber was her handing him his, their childhood. And he just goes, throws it out the window. Like it's a fucking beer at Christmas Eve. Like, you know, at one of your uncle's houses. Like it's just so stupid. I just can't, you know, I mean, still the, the lack of heart and execution elsewhere kind of killed those trilogies for me. But um, no, that moment really did suck. That really, that, yeah, I can see why a lot of people are very upset about that moment. Why was the execution so bad, do you think? Dude, it just didn't, didn't know what it was. It was just, A, it was rushed. Like, they bought Star Wars and they put it right into production. And they didn't really, like, stop to think and do, you know, a little bit more of what the Mandalorian and modern shows are doing, where they're kind of taking it step by step, trying stuff, collecting data, improving their workflow, what they're doing. It was more just like, All right, let's do it. Like, uh, what's hot right now? Ooh, uh, strong female leads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Write that down. Write that down. You know, like, ooh, maybe a stormtrooper who, you know, the bad guy still can be good. You know, a stormtrooper can be a good guy, Finn. Yeah. And then the next film, they just kind of like forget that, lose that arc and it's whatever. And they go back to just murdering stormtroopers. And like, it never knew what it wanted to be. It was changing hands. There was, there was gonna be three different directors, ended up only being two. And, you know, like, and those two directors, like, did not have the same vision. It was just a weird mess of money and stupid ideas that just created this weird, like, just trilogy that we all now know to be the sequel trilogy. But the, not, not to say it had, didn't have moments. I just uh, defended episode seven a little bit. But, you know, um, I don't know. It just, it was a mess, man. Like, there's no excuse for, for that. There is absolutely no excuse for that. That makes no sense whatsoever. It just makes me, it just bums me out a lot because I feel like if it had been done right, I could have, you know, looked back and been very happy yeah. with what it, I mean, that's, seven came out when I was in eighth grade, then sophomore year, then senior year. So I could have gone through my whole childhood and then my whole young adult life and then into my adult life, you know, like, wow, this is awesome. I'm very happy with this and this has raised me. And it been faithful to what it is. And uh, just such a bummer, man. I agree, man. I agree. So, but, okay. We've been very negative, but let's get into the positive. So where, 
are we going with the Mandalorian? Because that has been basically the saving grace of what it is. What uh, what Dis- Disney Star Wars has been has been the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. and then finishing out the Clone Wars. Those are the two saving graces so far, I would say. Yeah, um, absolutely. And where? Yeah, so like, and this is a good question to ask now because you know if anyone listening is kind of wondering you know like i've kind of mentioned a couple times and you've mentioned like you know the greater storytelling purpose of where they're going and what they are you know i keep talking about the greater narrative and i'll tell you exactly what that is it is first off with the mandalorian the story that me and many others have read in our childhoods about boba fett where he becomes the ancient you know prophesized mandalore the one that will take take Mandalore back from the ashes and recreate it in a great way. And that's where it's moving forward. Um, You know, there's always a bunch of stuff mixed in, but let's just take it step by step. So, you know, in the last episode of the Mandalorian, sorry, Boba Fett, (laughs) Boba Fett, but technically the Mandalorian, because it was all about Mandalorian, you know, I'm not going to spoil too much, but you know, like stuff has been brought up about the Mandalore, the dark saber, things that we left off last season, that's all leading towards a greater story that a lot of people like myself have read in the past in star wars legends so pretty much like you know the, whoever wields the dark saber you know rules mandalore yeah it's gonna be a big part of um you know boba fett and din Djarin's, um character arc you know and I, I predict they're gonna move together to uh to go retake mandalore i think boba fett might end up pulling the dark saber that's a rabbit hole i don't know if you want to go down that'll be like 20 minutes of explaining and build up but there's going to be all that crazy shit going on there about ruling Mandalore and everything. Bo-Katan still wants to rule all that stuff. You know, but we're also building up a lot of key pieces to Snoke and the sequel trilogy. But, you know, like Bad Batch, Bad, well, Bad Batch, for example, they started the whole cloning. Like they also did the whole cloning thing and all that leading up to Snoke and Palpatine. Mandalore did the same thing. It's been all about cloning. That was the big thing throughout season one and two is about cloning DNA. And, uh, and essentially like the Snoke and Palpatine project. So you have that going on, you have the Empire working, you have all this issues with the Mandalorians, you have Ahsoka mentioning Grand Admiral Thrawn, who's working with the Empire. So we're kind of all moving in this Marvel direction. Like we're going to have this big conglomerate, you know, this big battle between, you know, the new Mandalorians and the good guys and the Jedi teaming up against the Empire and the first, the remnants, like the beginning of the First Order. Right. Um, and we're going to have our little Avengers Endgame like type like beat like I, I think that's the exact business model that they're going to work off of and it's without any doubt with certainty the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett are one they are two stories that are working together hand in hand to create this narrative about the Mandalorians and rediscovering and new themes that are, you know that are more relevant to the modern day and we're all going to get this big badass showdown like we always do it's going to be this awesome conglomerate of a lot of shows and we'll see how it goes. I, doesn't that feel a little kind of <laughs> mass produced? It doesn't even feel it just that has so- to be by nature though. I mean, that's what it is. It is a like star Wars, the Avengers, like these franchises, it's DNA is, is one of mass production in a way like nowadays. It's kind of just what it is. I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, it's not the personal storytelling maybe episode four was, but it is what it is. It, 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 it's, it's a billion dollar industry. It sells, it makes too much money. It's too big. To, it's too big to ever stop. It, it's, it's, it's what it is. It is mass produced. It's an engine. It's crazy how we've shifted because, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> look at like even 30 years ago, there's, you know, one or 
even 20 years ago, everybody just watches, you know, HBO Sunday nights and that's it. And that's like the prime time TV. There's no spinoffs. There's no this. There's no streaming. And you go to the movies, um, and you, you know, 2004, five, like you got Entourage and The Sopranos, maybe The Wire. I think that's all the H the prime, like Boardwalk Empire, the primetime Deadwood, primetime HBO lineup on Sunday nights. And then that's. There's no spinoffs. It's when the story's done, the story's done. But it's unbelievable and how it shifted. And now everything needs a spinoff. And then every the spinoffs need a spinoff. And it's like, and everything yeah. has to connect. It's I get so it it reminds me of this quote from uh from um Bojack Horseman. They talk about. How like there's the there's no there's it's a never ending show. There's always more show. Like the show doesn't stop. Yeah. And I've always thought thought, man, like how depressing is that that the show just never ends? There's no ending. Like it, this just goes on forever and ever in the carousel of the Disney money, and you just you never get off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it. It's funny, you know, I, I watched uh, the new Scream actually last night, technically Scream 5 in theater last night. And uh, and it was kind of like a commentary on that. As Scream always is, it was very self-aware of itself too. It's Scream number five, you know, it's making fun of itself and sequel era that we live in. And yeah, it, it's just kind of is what it is. It's like film, if you look at through history, Tarantino kind of says a similar thing about, you know, more about the censorship side of things. Um, but film kind of moves in a direction where like, yeah, you have these golden ages. I mean, imagine going to the theaters and like, oh, theater one, Jurassic Park, theater two, Pulp Fiction. Oh, what shit. You know what I mean? Like, like there's these golden ages and then there's, you know, times of identity loss. And that's kind of what we're in. It's no, it's no mystery that we're in a time of very safe, very pragmatic, uh, contrived filmmaking um, that, you know, it's, it's just really just mass produced, as you mentioned earlier, um, even though I love a lot of the Star Wars stuff, but in general, oh, yeah. you know, like, I was going to say, cause like, I'll yeah, Star Wars is still Star Wars. It's still fucking awesome. But, but like I'll the rest of stuff, it's all mass produced in the same kind of machine. You know, it's, it's just same shit over and over, oh, reboots and sequels of old I'll, stuff uh, that we grew up with. I'll make fun of Marvel until I drop dead and I'll also get like depressed, like, oh, it's a never ending show, but. When something new Star Wars comes on, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I'm watching. It. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. those two it. are kind of the exception because they're just so cool. It's just like everything else, but like yeah, no, I mean, like all, all that stuff is still like you know, it's just failing flat. I mean, I I hate I don't hate Marvel, but I hate people that like they won't shut up about Marvel. I, it's unbelievable. Oh, they're yeah, yeah, they're just it's, talking. It's, and like just, if, yeah. if that's like your comfort movie, like. You know, there was this girl and the it's, you know, your basically friendship or like college 101 class. It's called the uh, introduction to the uh, baccalaureate experience. And this one girl was like, OK, like, you know, Marvel for me was like my crutch. Like I, you know, got teased a lot in high school and, you know, I would go home and watch Marvel and laugh and like see good guys win and like yeah like i can understand because my dumb lizard brain i like captain america i'll watch the captain america movies but at no I point am i yeah captain america is my my guy but mm -hmm. at no point am i gonna be like wow like this is like groundbreaking cinema because it's not there was a tweet and it was like uh the classic meme format of the 
from top text and bottom text. And the top text was like, uh, Marvel fans be like, and then the bottom text was, damn, bro, this shot fire. And it was just a green screen in the background. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I've seen that too. So, yeah, I mean, it's by no means There Will Be Blood or The Shining or, no. or any great film. But like, no, nah, they are they are still like, come on, like you need something to yeah. pass the time. I mean, dude, like after a long day's work, you know, like I'm trying to just chill and get invested in a story that's fun and keeps my energy up. Yeah, like no, Marvel has its place. Star Wars has its place, even though Star Definitely. Wars. I mean, for me, it's just my life. But like, you know, yeah, it, it, you know, dude, it's but the best. It is. It's just like, yeah. But, but I understand that it's like it, it's second, you know, to what you consider to be, you know, your prime cinema, you know, like your departed, your uh, Shutter Island is a great example. I mean, Shutter anything Island. Stanley yeah. Kubrick's ever done, Space Odyssey, like, I mean, that stuff, I mean, obviously that's a different level of cinema, but everything has its place. I think, well, not I think, but, um, but it, I, I feel like a lot of, you know, the other trilogies, Besides, you know, Indiana Jones is an exception, but I think a lot of the other epic trilogies, because Indiana Jones is really grounded in reality, and I love it. I think it's, I think Indiana Jones is fantastic. I'm a big fan of that and Star Wars, but mm-hmm. all of Spielberg's work really, it's just unbelievable. But, and I'll get into that later, but um, I think that Star Wars, all like the Lord of the Rings, for example, that and Harry Potter, those are all based off books. George mm-hmm. Lucas built Star Wars on its own. It is. It is very made it what it is and what it was. Yeah. It all came from his dome. Game of Thrones is also based on a book, books, but <laughs> like it, it's you can't. I don't know how. How do you even come up with it's all the seeds for prequels and stuff like that? They were all sown in so early, and he had such a clear vision. I've always like been blown away that someone was able to come up with that i mean it, it, it's absolutely awesome i mean there's there's a few things like it and it's definitely if there's any word that you can do to sum it up it'd just be special it's just special man it's it's <laughs> it's fantastic because i'll be watching the bad batch i was watching it this summer i'd come home from work and you know landscaping i'd shower and i'd just watch it i forget what days it would come out it probably the same schedule here like you know tuesday nights and i'd watch wednesday afternoons and uh, my mom would ask me what i'm watching i'd be like oh watching star wars cartoons and she wouldn't say anything i was like don't you think it's kind of embarrassing your 19 year old sons you know would rather was watching cartoons versus watching i don't know basketball or whatever and she's like no like everybody likes star wars you always liked it when you were little yeah yeah i mean star wars to, to be honest i've never even thought of that it's just, like I, I definitely see your point and it's actually mad funny but like i don't give a shit dude i could be chilling with like with a girl or anyone and like i, I want like i'll put on star wars i have no shame it's just like i, it, I maybe i should just maybe i should just be more confident in my appreciation end of the like, day dude you only get so much time on this planet dude like what you like rock what you rock have a good time like so what dude star wars is the best you know like i mean it's okay if you're 19 you're 10 whatever dude rocket man if you like it watch it bad batch i mean i, I you know to be honest like, <laughs> i did th- okay bad batch i get it you know like i threw that on like over the summer like and like i had a family that were all like around i was in new jersey watching it 
And they were like, what is this? I'm like, Star Wars. And they actually said the same thing. Like, you aren't a little young? I just said, no. Like, no. Like, never too young. Because, oh, I don't know, it's so funny to me. Because I work my dick off landscaping, like, from, you know, nine to five. And then get home, drive half hour, shower. I drive a big car, you know. I'm a big guy. I like working out. And then they're like, oh, what do you, what do you have on the TV? It's like, Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> just really ridiculous. Um, by the way how do you still landscape right now uh no so i'm in school right now i'm trying to get an intern internship that's right down the road from school because and part of the reason i want it's because they actually have a podcast studio in their office and i think that's, that's like yeah it was i was like it's right next to a sports bar and there's a podcast studio in the in the office and i'd be like if i could learn how to use it and learn how to do stuff kind of professionally with content and with podcasting specifically uh, i would be the like happy as a clam making 10 bucks an hour like 10 12 hours a week you know an extra 120 bucks in my pocket fuck it oh yeah dude do that shit up i mean that's what i did in college i mean like take advantage of the resources there i mean like i i did an internship with uh with the cable station and um at plymouth and that shit was it, it was what's up dude you get to use their equipment you get to learn how to use it from experts and I mean, during college is the best time because internships don't pay much, obviously, if anything. Um, yeah, dude, eat that shit up. Oh my God, yeah. That's what sort I'm of saying. So I'm trying to do that. But I worked for, um, you know, Charlie Schwar. I worked for his dad. Uh, yeah, this summer landscaping. I love, like, I liked being outside. I was off my phone. I, I sweat a lot. I worked really hard and it was just a big workout. And then it was, yeah. it was, I like, I like it. You know, it's fun. So yeah. No, it's good work, man. Nothing beats a good day's work. I mean, like, get your hands I, like, I have out. a shit, like, I have a long ass time to be miserable in an office or behind a desk or doing something. So I'm a, I'm a, I gotta get yard work in when I and know how to do it. So when I have a house or something like that, I gotta, I'm like pretty, pretty solid on. And it doesn't, I, I it doesn't do help with that. the, uh, it helps with the ladies too. I don't know if I've mentioned this before on the pod, but um, like my mom, we visit her friend in the Hamptons and um I would be like wow you know that's a beautiful Japanese maple you have up front and she'd be like wow like you know (laughs) (laughs) um, Meg my mom Meg wow you're such a (laughs) such a bright young man yeah but uh it's I I like it man it's cool that's 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 hilarious and no dude yeah I I low-key miss some of my labor jobs. I mean, cause I, I'm at a desk right now. Um, I mean, I, I miss getting out there in the sun doing shit. That was just hard. You know, you just feel good. I mean, beer tastes pretty good when you get home. I mean, let me tell you oh, that. I, mean, bad. <laughs> bad. I, I got to try and get shredded this summer. So I have to go easy on the beers, but um, maybe yeah, stick to like, yeah, maybe just stick to like natural lights or something. Keep it, keep it easy. <laughs> what are you doing right now for work? Uh, I'm the digital content coordinator at a educational technology company called clear touch. Nice. Mm-hmm. No, so yeah, it's, it's pretty good. What does that mean? Um, pretty much like a, I manage all their social media. Um, I do the email blasts, you know, like with, we have like thousands of customers, clients, and users all around the uh, country and everything. And we're constantly collecting leads. We have a sales team that's out there in every state um going to trade shows doing you know face-to-face marketing and i'm always keeping their clients up to date with 
like you know new just like, like my boy coincidentally from true fiction seth prue is a videographer there so he makes the videos and i'll send them out i'll publish them i'll do the emails and stuff like that nice. do the branding and, and like no yeah no it's dope it's actually a sick arrangement because like like literally like and that's why it works and um it just works hand in hand with what i'm doing like building my own business outside of that is because like i get to develop skills that coincide directly with the platform true fiction and just being a good businessman and a skilled technician and meanwhile i got my boy and my business partner right there in the other office the two of us just collabing all day like we're just we're just riffing back and forth like constantly just every day like even even on our worst day we're still getting better you know and we're having a good time so i mean definitely you're in you're in an office so it's a little tedious at times and you gotta stay focused but that's no, a good gig, man. I'm, I'm really appreciative for getting it. it. Gave me a really nice apartment that I can afford. Gave me a good lifestyle um, and something I enjoy. So it's what's up. Uh, are you in South Carolina still? Damn right, dude. Fuck the north. Uh, I'm, down, I'm down south right now, man. Me too, man. I love it. Yeah, I know it. you are. It's So how, how do you like South Carolina? It's great. It's great. Um, weather is like not nowhere near like Tampa where you are. It's like it's more it, it's like a much warmer new jersey it's like like right now it's mad cold it's like the winters are still pretty cold but like but like the springs are the most beautiful like like i've been around like like it's just like a perfect weather and then summer is wicked hot like extremely hot going into yeah. fall and like it, it, it is still a lot warmer uh next to massachusetts i mean it snows here once a year when it does the entire state shuts down <laughs> And it's cheap. It's actually very cheap, too. It, it was a cold snap through Florida. I retweeted this tweet. All the iguanas were falling out of trees and, like, frozen. Because they get paralyzed, bro. They can't move for, like, seven hours when it's when the temperature really? drops. So, yeah. It's, okay. It's like, it's, and I feel, I always feel bad for them. Like, I don't want them to die. They're just cold, you know. Yeah, iguanas are cool as hell, man. Yeah, iguanas are fucking sick. Yeah. So I always, I always uh, am bummed out when a cold snap hits. But there was a cold snap for... For Gasparilla, it was 50 degrees. And, um, what is Gasparilla, was, by the way? Okay, yeah, I've said it like three times. So yeah, Gasparilla, I was going to say. Gasparilla is Tampa's Mardi Gras, and it's the celebration of the fictional pirate of Jose Gaspar and how he invaded the, in air quotes, invaded Tampa Bay. And so what happens is, you know, around it's, it takes place the last Saturday in January. So in the middle of the week, so say Wednesday, um, this a a crew of pirates goes into the mayor's office, and you know it's all like jokes, and you know forces her to hand over a key to the city, and they like take, hold her hostage. And so you know, Mayor Caster, also a UT alum, shout out UT. Uh, Mayor Castor refuses to hand over the key to the city and the pirates say they'll be back Saturday morning. And essentially the whole city wakes up and starts drinking at around eight in the morning. I was drinking at like seven in the morning. And then you go all day. Most bars and pubs will do kegs and eggs. So they'll give you some breakfast, get, get you some carbs in you. And then it's just drinking all day. There's a, it is the, <laughs> It is the third, it is the largest boat parade and the third largest parade in the United States behind the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and the Rose Bowl Parade. And wow. it's just, they, uh, it, it, there's 
you know, floats that go through the, the rib, go down the river walk and throw out beads. And, you know, everybody tries to get beads. Girls dress up like pirates and stuff and like slutty pirates. And, I, you know, guys will just, you know, just do, we were doing, we'll, every, we'll, we'll just do what guys do. Just bandana, sleeve of shirt, sunglasses. Yeah, yeah I, had a, I had a bandana on, sunglasses, uh, pirate t-shirt on, or buccaneers t-shirt on. So it was pretty dripped out. And that's just what we do. And that's what, so that's what Gasparilla is. Just drink it. It's like an excuse to drink at 7, 8 in the morning. I had my first that's beer at the up. sunrise. Sunrise was at... 7 16 in the morning i had my first beer i finished it at like 7 13 okay yeah that sounds like an absolute time i mean plymouth plymouth had something like not nowhere near as big as that but we had like a pirate party where it was oh, the nice. same yeah it was the same same idea but obviously in plymouth new hampshire but oh we, yeah we'd be up at seven o'clock oh, i love new i love new hampshire dude new hampshire's the best yeah, yeah, no, I, I like it. Little, uh, little old school. Some of the laws, if you know what I mean. But other than that, it's pretty damn great. Yeah, I like like. And Tampa isn't like where you where are you close to? Me. Yeah. Uh, right now, uh, two hours away from Charlotte, North Carolina. Which anyone that flies will know where that is. Yeah. Um. I live in Greenville. Where I, I mean, where I live, Greenville. I mean, like it's pretty prominent. I mean, the Red Sox have a uh, ha- have a little minor league team here, the Greenville Drive that my older brother coached. That, that's how I knew about Greenville. Um, wow. There's Asheville, which is a popular tourist destination, North Carolina. Well, okay. Close. Well, like how how close to Columbia? Oh man, you got you don't believe it. I mean, Tom and my roommate drove there. I think it's like an hour and a half, two hours away. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that that's like me from Gainesville, but Tampa's not really the South South. Like there's, you know, you got a lot of different flavors and a lot of different people. It's not like rednecks running around. Like all, all my friends will be like, Oh, like Florida, man. There's not really any Florida men. It's like guys from Jersey that made a lot of money <laughs> and want to live somewhere yeah. where it's like kind of nice. Yeah, Greenville's like like it's not like your typical hick south either. It's like there's a lot of people that have moved here and it's like a growing city. Like that's just like yeah, oh my god, yeah, dude. No, so much money's going through here. Like there are tons of huge banks here, and like they are building apartment complexes like by the day. Even my even the one I live in right now, this is a brand new apartment complex like built this summer. Like there's a weird, like massive exodus here. Like Clemson's right here. It, it's like 20 or 30 minutes away from Clemson and there are just tons of people moving here. So, I mean, it's not like your typical South. I mean, people, yeah, like New Jersey, like Ohio, Florida, they're all moving here. I definitely, Tampa, I think I got in too late and that's crazy to say, but I really think I did. The, the rent has skyrocketed around here. They're like trying to put, I heard, I heard that. It's been bad, bad. Like it's just gone up so much and they're, even student housing is just blown up. They, mm-hmm. they don't have enough. They don't have enough dorms for kids. The, uh, the, the, the Henry, which is the, you know, student living, it's all students, but it's apartments and it's not on campus. They're booked there. There's a giant waiting list. They're booked. They, the, all the dorms on campus are completely full. And then the school has had to rent out a hotel for the past like two years to, for student housing yeah it's unbelievable 
Yeah, it sounds a little tough. I mean, yeah, it'd be like that, man. It'd be like that. It'd be like that. It's a little in a crazy world nowadays, man. I mean, a lot of relocating going on. I mean, especially because I was in, what, like I was in California, like I think like two months ago. The place is a shithole. would want to live there. You were in California? Yeah, I was there for a business trip. The place sucks. I was there for a week and I'm like, yo, I get why people are moving to Greenville. Like there's a ton of shuffling going on right now. I mean, like it's wild. Wait, what's up? People like that. That was the number one place people were moving out of for like U-Haul trucks. They were, they were running out of U-Haul trucks to get out people out of California. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll probably end up having to go there at some point in my life, but like, like, especially if I want to keep doing film, but like, you know, like that place, like, like that place kind of sucks. It's just like, it's so ham about everything. Like, and then just, it's just so dirty and poorly managed and just like out of balance. Like it's just, yeah, it's place sucks. Terrible. Mm-hmm. But I think I wanted to, I want I to get your take from earlier. We were talking about all those different directors, um, Steven Spielberg. So Spielberg is like, obviously all his movies are some of the best movies ever all time but i was watching a youtube video and someone was saying how some of his films are kind of like childish i guess like they're not i I don't know how to describe it but i was wondering would you think he makes kind of like child his directing style is kind of childish or is it more just he makes i mean i i I guess, I mean, because like, yeah, he made E.T., he made Jurassic Park, which, I mean, I grew some at times is still like, you know, like kids love dinosaurs, you know, like Jaws, like, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, he's kind of like, like what I was talking about earlier, just like, you know, like building off shit that's just awesome, you know, like, that's just what he does, like, he just makes like dope stuff, dinosaurs, sharks, you know, like aliens, like, that stuff's cool, (laughs) it's just just cool, and of course he makes like deeper hits, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, he, he appeals to, to, I guess, like, the childish, like, imagination and spirit that's in all of us, which, which we should try and reconnect with as much as we can. That's why he's so popular, and that's why he works. Um, but he doesn't make shit for children. He just makes, like, cool stuff that's universally, uh, like, appealing to human nature and what we like. I mean, it's, it's – Steven Spielberg is great. I mean, don't, don't let anyone twist it. He's fantastic. No, he's the best, man. Mm-hmm. He is uh... – He's definitely special. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, James. I, I'm out of things to talk about. Is there anything you, <laughs> anything, uh, anything you want to pick my brain about, or anything you've been on your dome you want to uh, expunge on us? Uh, not too much, man. Just, um, I'm just kind of curious, you know, like, uh, uh, just real quick, like if you wouldn't mind enlightening me, you know, I, I just wanted to ask you, and I'm, I'm sure that the audience just got a curiosity. Where did the uh, idea for Six Pack with Jack come from? What's uh, up with that? How did we get here, huh? Uh, Quick well, closing note for everyone. I'm, I'm flattered. Yeah, you're, you're curious. So basically it comes from the summer and I was my, I, a lot of time when I was working with Mr. Shore, I was talking to him and we'd be having conversations and he was, you know, he's a really cool guy, but then we get to a project where either he'd have to run off or I, or, um, or he'd be on the machine with earmuffs on, uh, doing some excavating and stuff, which is totally cool. But he was like, okay, like, you know, I, I would pop my headphones in and listen to music. 
but then my buddy was like, Hey, like you should check out this episode of Joe Rogan. I would listen to that. And then with just with cool guests, I liked like Matthew McConaughey, um, Jocko Willick, a bunch of the guys, he's that guy that hiked across this, the deserts or across the Nile river, whatever the hell he, whatever the hell Joe Rogan's talking mm-hmm. about when he's not getting canceled by Neil Young. Um, you listen to a bunch of those. Uh, I listen to the the podcast the Entourage guys do, um, and loved that until it started getting terrible. But I loved Entourage, one of my favorite TV shows ever. Because I, I know you love that show. And the I, way I <laughs> the way it's written, and I think I've always I don't know about you, but I, as much as I, I love hour long dramas, but I've always had so much more respect for things shows that get done in a half hour. Because if you can fit that all, all that stuff into a half hour, like that is very, very unprecedented. And it's also, it's fantastic. Like, yeah, you have to be so good with your pacing, know when to take a beat. Like, anyway, I'm getting off topic, but that's why I love a show like Barry. Yeah, have you ever seen Barry with Bill Hader? I watched a couple episodes. I love Barry. I love, I think that's such a cool idea for a show and i love bill Hader. so but anyway i listened to a ton of podcasts in the summer and i was like dude like my friends are funny i kind of want to i've always been deeply kind of curious about other people and um what they do and i've also loved writing i had rode for slim thick the whole pretty much year before um you know pretty much all fall 2020 and then some in the winter and spring of 2021 so and i was like i said always curious about other people what they do why do they do these things why do they think these things and never in a judgmental way but always just kind of like you know how oh, that's really interesting that you think this way um and the podcast has given me a perfect excuse to kind of pick people's brains about stuff and so far people are really liking it like i got to it, it's funny i i emailed i read this book and social media is a crazy thing where I, I read this book. I, I checked it out from the library downtown and I went on Twitter and I found the author on Twitter and I just tweeted at him. I was like, yo, like, could I interview you? Uh, I just read your book and I really liked it. And I, he just emailed me today. He's like, yeah, like next Tuesday, 4 PM, my time, 7 PM Eastern. Like I'd, I'd, I'd come on your podcast and it's hysterical because my pin tweet is Gronk dancing to levels by Avicii. And he, Man, and, and my banner is I just did it for the free liquor. So like, it, <laughs> but it's given me kind of a little bit of professionalism. And so that's kind of where the idea started. What's morphed into, and I, I'm starting to think, um, you know, I'm, I'm a business major currently, but I'm starting to think if I can just get through that and then do journalism when I'd like to on the side, I, I'd be very happy because not only will I be able to provide and make some coin for myself and, you know, people I care about have some spending money, but can also learn about other people, tell stories and, you know, give people credible and fair news. Well, that's what's up, that's what's up dude. I mean, uh, you definitely, you definitely have a, a good, a good practice understanding of podcasting and this is a well-run show, dude. I really appreciate how you move the conversation along and show genuine interest in what I have to say and what your guests have to say. So that's you're absolutely a cool guy, cool. man. Those, hey, dude, appreciate it, man. Really cool, man. Appreciate it, man. Cool. And yeah, journalism was up too, bro. I mean, 
definitely it's crazy he can mix all these things together nowadays i mean it's all about just niching down and focusing your, your strengths and you know like and that's the beauty of the world we live today is where you can go out and you can create something and people will like it i mean philosopher alan watts that's used a lot in samples for rap videos you know like he'll always say you know like if you're interested in something people are other people are too and you bring a lot of cool interest to the table man so definitely oh, uh, definitely you. keep at it I'll, 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 it's never like for me it's just like honestly it's just fun i i got an excuse to talk to people i hadn't talked to in a couple of years and you know get a little banged up with them have beers and then i get to put it on the internet and people get to laugh at it and you know laugh at me and laugh at the stories you're telling how ridiculous it is like that and then you know i'll get a i'll get a text message that's like hey like i was laughing hysterically at what you know this guy said or your one-liner here like and that just <laughs> you know that just puts a smile on my face because it's like yeah like you know i would love to be doing i i don't think i could ever be like joe rogan numbers like 11 million an episode but if there's people that are you know laughing having fun like it's all good and then also i think journalism has been so whack over the past i don't know five ten years like no it's shit all, dude. it's That's all skewed shit. bad i think the i love this youtube channel called channel five and i love this guy his name's andrew callahan and he when he was 19 he hitchhiked across america and wrote a book about it called all gas no breaks and then he started doing a youtube channel about all the weird shit that goes on in america like the area 51 rally um you know <laughs> america, adult video network avn awards all this stuff and he started documenting it all and all these people too i think that's that is the, the heart and soul of six pack with jack would be people because i think people are very and i'm sure with filmmaking like that's the heart and soul of everything is people and people are fascinating as fuck like i oh, yeah. always want to know what more about people how people ended up to where they're at and why they act the way they do or why they don't act the way they do I feel that, man. Oh, yeah. Well said. I'm yakking your ear off. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nah, that's where it's at, bro. That's character first, bro. Filmmaking is the same thing. Character first. Yeah, and I'm just trying to continue to write. Not, like, I, I hate making it, like, a chore. The second it starts speaking of a chore, it's not fun. But I, that, at the same time, a discipline is important, you know? Yeah. And as long as I get all my shit done get a couple episodes scheduled, then I can go party and have fun. But, you know, I, I'm always trying to get stuff out there and, you know, do the best I can with uh, the gifts I have. Balance of both, man. I mean, it's going to be a chore because, you know, it's, like you said, this one's going to be hard and you got to gotta keep the quota and the output up. But, you know, always remember what made it fun in the first place while you're doing it. And, uh, exactly. And you're on the right track, man. All right. Well, thank you so much. Really. I've taken up enough of your time, man. Nah, I appreciate thank it, you. Star Wars, everything. It's just been, it's been great talking to you. Don't, uh, don't forget about the mass holes back home, man. Those like all you guys, man, made <laughs> the mass holes back home or everything, dude. I, I made a movie with those guys this summer, man. Oh my God. Trust me. Those are my boys, dude. I can't wait, man. I can't wait for all the new, uh, true fiction projects too. And let me just, the last point I want to say, like, when I was a junior in high school and you were doing uh, Brookline Act 1 and 2 and hopefully Act even Act 3 when we were filming it, like that was so fun, man. That that was just some of the best experiences. When we, when the uh, 
when you got to go to the North Fork Police Station and they let you film in there and just like, you know, they're like, you know, okay, let me give you a search and you pull your pants down. They're like, no, that, <laughs> that kind of search. Um, yeah, no, I, like, we've been to we some crazy spots. Where's Act 3, man? I need Act Where's three. Act 3? I'll tell you where Act 3 is going to come. It's at this point, this is the only way it's going to happen. And I think it will happen. Like we've our Brookline brothers, dad and stepdad came out in 2017. It was redone and furnished up a little bit to the reboot or uh, requel. They call it, they, they called it in scream last night of Brookline vendetta. We didn't finish that. The final touch will come when it, the goal is kind of actualized, When we have a budget when we have a crew, when we are official that's when you're going to get brooklyn act three you're going to get the perfect requel you're going to get everything that's worked and minus what didn't work i can just see it now it's like 15 years down the line we're going to have some bucks tawny chris and i blood seth noon all the boys we're going to get together and we're going to craft the true brookline brothers and it's going to be so excited like like, i I can just see it happening just like if anyone if anyone wants to fund it it will happen. It will happen. But until then, we'll see, man. We'll leave it to fate. We'll leave it to fate. Opportunity will tell what will happen with Brookline Act 3. But we just, I just want the footage of uh, <laughs> ripping Jewel at the North Park Police Station and someone yeah. you know, moving their, uh, putting that's their That's on an SD like- card. That's got an SD card in the old archives. It's all archived footage. Oh, but We'll reactualize it one day. I feel like Brookline, you know, like it's a story left unfinished and one day it will be finished. So I'm going to watch we'll this tonight before bed. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much, James, man. I'm stoked for what you're doing. I'm, I'm going to keep watching all the true fiction. You've been crushing it. And thank you so much for coming on the pod, man. Hell yeah, brother. Thanks for having me. And one last thing I will quickly say is that we have some films coming out very soon that kind of been in the work. So, you know, peep it. Anyone let's listening, go, man. Get some crazy let's films. Go. We got some. We, we, we got some already on the editing room floor and soon to be exported. So let's go. Keep your man. eyes open. All right, eyes are open. Thank you so much, man. I'll talk to you later. Peace, buddy. Appreciate it. Peace, man. <laughs>